Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Bloody Good Horror. My name's Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing Megan, Mithrigan, Mithrigan, I mean, a million ways you could say it. Uh, This is a Blumhouse joint, and we'll discuss that here in a minute. First up, joining me from the Zombie Girls, girls, please welcome Ariel to the show. Hi. Next up, from Indiana... He's a Barbie girl. Please welcome Casey to the show. Hello. I was just listening to that song on a 90s playlist yesterday. That's why I thought <laughs> And last up tonight from Memphis, Tennessee. Please welcome Elizabeth to the show. Howdy, guys. Giving us her best Southern accent right here in the pre-show in case you missed it out. Missed out on it. Reason enough to be a Patreon, y'all. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's we're back in the theater. First week of the year. <coughs> I'm sick again. Get excited. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's take a quick break and review Megan. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the front Ariel, why don't you tell me about Megan? Yeah. Okay. So like you said, this is a Blumhouse movie and it's also produced by James Wan and it was directed by Gerard Johnstone, who you guys might know because he wrote and directed Housebound, which is a horror comedy. So it sort of makes sense. Which one? It's really great. Uh, if you've Australian? Never seen it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's the one, where, it's like the one where the woman has like the ankle monitor and she's having to live at home with her parents and there's maybe something happening ghosty right, right, right. or in the walls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then it was written by Akela Cooper, who wrote Malignant. And what, although what? I hated the original, she's also currently writing the Nun 2 script. So what, that what? has me interested. And the, the Malignant, did James Wan direct that? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Cool. The Nun 2, Nun You Business. <laughs> none, <laughs> they really yeah. should name it that. Nun the Wiser. Oh, I mean, a million pounds we could go with. Let's talk about Megan, though. So um, Megan stars um, Allison Williams. Was there anyone? I didn't. I'm not sure I recognize anyone else in this movie. The little girl was in The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, but that's, that's the only I thing I recognize her from. from. Oh, yeah. OK. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> she was being haunted on that show. <laughs> um, By yeah. the house on the hill. Man, is she the one that they sleeps on the couch? In that one scene with the bent neck lady, I think where so. the thing like, oh, come. maybe, yeah. uh, interesting. So basically, the, I, I would like to. So, I was thinking this while watching the opening of this movie, I would like somebody to make a like a letterbox, letterboxed list of horror movies that start with parents who get into car accidents and then never are in the movie, like and then die, and that's the plot, how the plot starts. There's a lot of, I mean, going back to the change. If you did smash cut of that and like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, it's, yeah, right. It's always like one Great second, awful. one second. We're just arguing or we're not paying attention. So many movies do that. Yeah. And there's always like a little tricky edit where it's like, it's out of nowhere. You know, like it's, it's an interesting trope. It's just funny. Cause I've, I've, I feel like I could list off four or five and I don't have, I have a terrible memory. So there must be many more. Uh, but that's how it starts. This young girl, they're going up to the mountain. For mountain thing, I, I don't, I don't go outside in the winter. I don't know what people do on mountains. I, I guess ski. 
They were going skiing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what they had marked on the calendar. They were going white peopleing up in the mountain. And um, so there is a horror movie accident. The parents die. Fast forward a couple weeks or something. Basically, Allison Williams is the sister of the girl's mother, who has now become her guardian. And Allison Williams is basically a like a software and robotics engineer who works at a toy company, essentially developing toys that ha- use AI in some way. Um, and she is like, and she seems to be like an expert on AI and robotics and all this stuff. Not very good with humans, which is sort of a theme in the film, uh, or at least little kids. And so she kind of is struggling to relate to this kid. She doesn't really know how to take care of her. Um, not really sure what to do at the same time. <coughs> she has been on, behind her boss's back. So she's supposed to be working on this dumb little Furby thing that um, we're introduced to kind of early on in the movie that you feed food through an app, which is really, and then it poops, which is a really, the fake commercials <laughs> in this movie, very good. It was um, really good. Yeah. So, but in, but she, it's, this project is not really um, doing it for her. So on this, unbeknownst to her boss early on, she's basically working on like, a little creepy, like half-sized doll, girl doll that would be like just fully like emergent AI that would learn, can speak and interact and learn things and all this stuff. Um, in the beginning, we see it sort of fail, but then she she makes a connection where she realizes like that uh, her her newfound award shows an interest in this kind of thing. And that sort of sparks her inspiration to try to um, finish this Megan project so that I can sort of like help be a friend to what's the girl's name? Uh, Uh, Not Megan. Katie. Katie. So, so Allison Williams wants to finish this. She gets like a, (laughs) a, you know, she gets a wave of inspiration to finish this, you know, you know, so that I can sort of be a friend to, Katie. In the meantime, it, it it works. It's very successful. Her work wants to turn it into like the next big thing. And so it gets fast tracked. Um, and at the same time, it's going great for a while. We get a, it's going great montage. And then we see that Megan is sort of, um, stepping outside of the bounds of what she was originally meant to do, or she's doing it too well. Like Katie is fully attached to Megan and not doesn't really listen to Alice Williams anymore. Then Megan starts, you know, Megan's direct. She kind of like claps back at her. Yeah. Like she like, she talks back. Like she's <laughs> showing, she, she's well. showing an ability to like resist the controls that Alice Williams has, try, has tried to put on her. Um, there was a really funny, like total, just, I feel like plot hole where the guy was just like, why didn't you put in this command? And she's like, we didn't have time. I'm like, really? Like the, it was like the most important thing she needed to do. <laughs> but anyway, um, and then so Megan's like prime directive is to protect Katie, both physically and emotionally. And of course, you know, we've all seen sci-fi movies, right? With robots. So she takes this, starts taking this too far and starts harming people. And it all kind of just snowballs and uh comes to a head. Right it comes to a head right around the time that Megan is supposed to be like debuting to the world via a like a live stream. 
I think that might be the most succinct synopsis I've ever given on this show. Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's Megan. Back in the theaters. Um, I went I went to see it at 12.50 on a sat- the Saturday opening weekend. And my theater was not like sold out, but pretty packed. I was actually like pretty surprised. Oh, nice. Did, what were your guys' theater experiences like? So I have two theaters near me. One's really nice where it has like the plush reclining seats and fancy food and stuff. And then there's one that's really crappy with the old seats. So I went to that one on a Monday afternoon and I was not only the only person in Megan, I was the only person in the entire theater and they just had one employee. Wow. (laughs) So it was a little weird. Amazing. Anyone else? Um, I went, oh, actually me and my friend Ginger went on, um, opening i guess the friday night it opened at like yeah that's wild. totally random time like 3 45 or something oh, okay but um there were not it wasn't totally empty but there were not just tons of people not enough to make it i'm like trying a to like remember feeling i'm trying to remember a trailer i saw but i feel like i can't we miss the trailers, which I'm kind of okay with because oh. they ruin everything. Um, that is true. I feel I like do. this would be a fun one to see with a big crowd, though. You it know? was. I wish yeah. I wish it the, was. The like crowd that, was yeah. very reactive. And many people, I haven't experienced this in a while, many people clapped when the movie was over. I love that. Yeah, so anyway, all right, uh, let's jump in here. Ariel, what did you think? I love this movie. <laughs> I know that it has plot holes and that it's silly and it has a somewhat ridiculous premise and plot, but I just thought it was so much fun. And I found myself like invested in the story and just having a really good time. I loved the little bit of blood and gore that we did get. I thought they did a great job kind of building up the relationship between the little girl and her aunt. I thought the comedy moments really worked for me, especially the ones that were related to the sort of tech toy company that she works for with her boss. I thought those were particularly funny or when, you know, the doll, when Megan's actually, like you guys were saying, kind of being sassy with Gemma, the aunt, (laughs) her witty comebacks, I thought were really fun. And there's just this like level of campiness to the comedy, especially around Megan herself and the way that she talks and stuff that I found really appealing. So I know that it's not like a great movie, but I just thought it was really fun. And sometimes that's what I want out of a horror movie, you know? I think that's pretty fair. Casey, what do you think? Uh, I'm right there with Ariel. It's not necessarily the greatest movie ever, but I had a blast watching this and it was way more that more fun than I was expecting it to be from the trailers. Uh, saw the trailers early on when they first came out. Didn't know for sure what to make of it, except for that doll looks freaky and it yeah. creeps me out. And <laughs> but so once we get in there, I didn't know really what to expect, but it unfolded really well. And it's got a well-written story throughout the ending. There was nothing that felt too much like plot drops and stuff like that. Uh, I think the cast and the way they pulled off this Megan doll in the movie was freaking genius. I think that I don't want to sound creepy, but like the little girl they got playing the actual doll as if you read up on her, she's from New Zealand. She's uh, big into, uh, you know, kids dancing competitions and stuff like that. And it seems apparent the movements and stuff on this, I thought were just like super uncanny Canny Valley. Oh, or yeah. gave it that uncanny yeah. Canny Valley effect. Whoever, just, like, whoever did the design on the, I assume, like CGI assisted doll face 
should get all the Oscars because it was the yeah. creepiest thing ever. Well, but apparently it was ma- her. It was this girl Casey's talking about. I wish I knew her name because um, her physical acting is imp- yeah. very impressive. But she, um, in a lot of the scenes I was listening to an interview today, they were saying uh, that she had an animatronic mask on. Oh, but it was wow. like her oh, dressed so fully installed as the doll. Like, right, but that that's what I mean. Like the face is horrifying. Yeah. That yeah. is nightmare fuel. And like, you can <laughs> that level up for the entire movie too. Sometimes we've seen them do that with uh-huh. you know, trying to put humans in a doll costume and stuff. And it's usually a quick cutaway shot that you yeah, see. No, they really let you study it. They, uh, she was in full frame the entire time. And it, she carried it throughout the whole movie. It's super impressive. And it really gave that uncanny value effect and i would say after this movie too i'm really warming up to uh, allison williams and being in horror movies i think she's a good actress i think this yeah really kind of furthered my opinion on that she was yeah. really good i as someone who, horror flicks as someone who's actually watched all of girls i'm one of the like five Same. people that made it all the way through like that <laughs> i'm into i like allison williams she's cool she's cool with me yeah we met on a girls fan site actually <laughs> <That'd be awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you think elizabeth um, I'm all in on movies like this. I really enjoyed it. Um, much in the same way, actually, I kept thinking during it as I did Orphan First Kill. Um, it's like that same sort of lane of like campy, but at, it, like, okay, so it's written in a way that like it knows it's campy, but it's acted yeah. in a way that it doesn't. Like mm-hmm. it's acted very seriously and like It's straight. not winking at the audience. Yeah. Right, which I feel like that's like sort of the perfect blend of like trying to be like campy and actually hitting and landing well in the story and execution. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, the fr- I was amped to see this because uh, the Taylor Swift fan that I am, I don't know where I saw this trailer first because I try to avoid trailers at all costs, but it was a really kind of like creepy Taylor Swift sample that they had. It's nice to have a friend, I think is what it's called. But the marketing for this, I think, was like super awesome. And I'm not on all the like TikTok stuff, but I was looking at some of the viral marketing stuff they did today. They, I mean, they literally were anything. like market, like similar to, I don't know if you, do you remember smile? Yeah. We mentioned yeah on the they, show, had the, like, they were placing person. people in stadiums at baseball games at the time. Cause it was a playoff. <laughs> so cool. Like yeah. Megan during a halftime of a football game recently, that whole, a whole train of Megan's come out and like, do a dance. Style. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Um, yeah. It was an interesting, it's been an interesting journey with this movie because I feel like, um, I I dug the trailer the first time I saw it, but definitely was like, well, that's going to be silly. And I feel like a lot of people um, just thought it was going to be terrible because, you know, there's a lot of ways that a killer doll movie can go terrible. We've seen a lot of them. Um, But then it was like, as you were getting closer to release, critic reviews started rolling in and they were all positive, at least from the horror press, were like all positive. And it's like, huh, like in a way that actually then makes me suspicious because i'm a like natural contrarian so i was like all right whatever <laughs> i will say now in retrospect some of them like a little over the top like you guys can come well, it has like but, a 94 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah, like right that's now. a little all right 94 percent like <laughs> i don't think titanic has 94 percent, but um it's really good 
It's a really good movie. I this to me is like a Blumhouse special. Like you go to the Blumhouse yeah. restaurant and you order the special. This is what they bring you. And it's amazing <laughs> every time. And it a little bit for me redeems them from letting Gordon Green do whatever the hell he wanted with Halloween ends and just that whole disaster. Because it proves to me like, oh, OK, they do still get it. They know what what this formula is and how it works like. Small, semi small scope, interesting script small cast and just like nail the small things, which is what they do here. Number one being <coughs> the design and performance of Megan. Amazing. Um, I think it has, you know, it's not the deepest movie, but it has like an interesting emotional kind of core to it, especially if you're a parent. Like if you're a parent, there's a lot of interesting ideas that this movie is messing around with. Oh yeah. One thing that just hit me, I know Elizabeth and I, Casey, you have a daughter, but she's old, older. Our yeah. kids, Elizabeth and I, our kids are young. Like when she says that, I don't remember who says it. I've, I think it might've been Allison Williams, but the, like, it was like some stat was probably made up, but like 90% of what parents say throughout the day are like things they have to repeat every day for their kids to do. I felt that deep in my core because that is <laughs> so true. Like brush your teeth. We're going to be late. Eat your thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, like. The, the like instinct that Allison William has to like offload all of this work to this doll, dude, I could not be more sympathetic with. I very much <laughs> understand that. Um, you know, and it's interesting too, like what she does is the problem is that she also offloads all of like the emotional work onto the doll. Well, the problem is the two are intertwined. Like it is the small <laughs> moments every day True. that like, and also like, you know, the, the doll is. program to protect her from emotional harm but that sort of gets kind of hinky when you're talking about like well, what does that mean exactly like did anyone else think she was a little loosey-goosey with her language to be the person that developed this thing when she oh, was yeah. like protect her like would she not have thought yeah. like, maybe i should be more granular here <laughs> maybe i should be very <laughs> well that's specific. why that's that was there was yeah. some funny stuff like that yeah i did especially since it was in the heat of the moment right look not that i want to take a magnifying glass to this beautiful work of art that's but... what no that's what we're doing please <laughs> yeah. bust that let's burn some ants here um there i love the moment with the um uh Another thing, I, a scene I actually relate to, I don't know if I was supposed to, but like when Allison Williams, when the therapist is there and she wants to play with like the collectible action figure and she, and she's like, no, she said I can't. That's a collectible action. It wasn't that part specifically, but then they do take it out and it's like, She's, she's just rolling it on the ground. She's yeah. like, but that's not, that's not the way you do it. Like, <laughs> that's not what it's I for. fully, that's not what it was made to do. that like, got me in this yeah, deep, well, sure, we'll just like roll it like ball. a tennis ball. That got me in this deep place of like, um, yeah. So for instance, like I'm trying to teach my older, my oldest how to play video games. And it's tough. Cause like the only, the way that we learn video games, nobody was sitting next to us being like, here's how you play Mario. We just sat there for eight hours and like, yeah. Trial and error. You begged your parents figured to get it the out. Thing. Figured it out. They left and I was alone in a room with I was, it. And then you, yeah. I was like trying to manifest that this weekend. And I just handed her this Kirby game. And I was like, she kept asking for help. And I just kept having to like tamp down everything in me that just wanted to like show her. And she'd be like, listen, just keep practicing. You'll figure it out. And she did. But that scene was, that scene got me. So there's some like pretty insightful and interesting ideas around like guardianship and parenthood and that kind of stuff thrown in. And, and frankly, like, 
again, all you know, all the best sci-fi has some ring of truth to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure, Godzilla movies were over the top, right? But they also now we look back at them as like having an interesting perspective on like a post-nuclear world, right? Like there's there's something there. And in that same way, there's something here in Megan. Like, yes, it's a can't be silly horror film. But the ideas that Alison Williams has to face in this film are going to be faced by us in our lifetimes, most likely, like uh, maybe when we're 80. But still, like there's going to be there will be AI in people's homes and doctor's offices and like everywhere. And we're going to have to decide, like, how much is OK to, to put off on these things, especially when it comes to parenting, because like the first place it's going to go is some little thing that reads to your. I mean, they already have things that read to your kids or, you yeah. know. Yeah. My, my kids talk about Alexa like she's a person. You know what I mean? So does mine. She's <laughs> yeah. doing that today and it freaked me out because she loves this song that when Siri was like, okay, playing Bam Bam by Camila Cabello, <laughs> whatever. She was like, why did she, she didn't say it with the accent that my daughter asked, oh, like bomb ball, whatever. So I'm like trying to explain to her like, because she's not a person and she doesn't care how you say it and like what you <laughs> want to hear. I mean, how do I explain it? She's like, what do you mean she's not a person? She's like talking right now. I'm like, oh my God, this is. Yeah. So that, so I think in that way, like it is a thought provoking movie. It is as thought provoking as it is silly, which is a really fun combination. Um, and man, like the Megan doll is just creepy. Like when uh, when she goes full four legged running through the woods, whoever yeah, made what is whoever that? made that choice that was great. Whoever made that choice, you are also brilliant. favorite moment, um, Madam or Sir. <laughs> also, I want her entire wardrobe. I'm obs- like, I just love her neutral, like almost like Victorian. It was a pretty good wig too. Styling. I figured you. I yeah. figured you would approve of the wig, Elizabeth. It was, yeah. No, yeah. I'm a. I'm very tough on the wig work and films, but yeah. That was pretty good. Okay. Was good. <laughs> I always have a hard time telling. I have to have Rachel like point them out to me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, this I movie tell is the bad so ones. fun because it's got those moments like the running through the woods or like that ear pulling thing <laughs> that she does. I mean, <laughs> it was like really ridiculous good. how right, like, is long that, that skin do? became. Right, exactly. But it was just so much fun. But you're right that it touches on all of these other things, too. And that's what I think makes the movie a little more richer and, and lets you kind of get invested in the characters. Because for the first, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes, there isn't any really gore or action stuff happening. You're just getting to know the dynamics, you know, because Gemma, Allison Williams' character is, like you were saying, really forced into becoming a parent. And I think that even though she's not the mother, there is that maternal ambivalence happening there where she, in the beginning, isn't even sure that she really wants to be this little girl's guardian. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have much interest in it. And so her instinct is to solve this problem of having this kid that she doesn't really know what to do with. She like that's solves how, that problem. That's by how she relates, such, relates to everything is like, yeah. Formula, yeah and so she just, you know? she's like, okay, I can just like substitute real parenting for technology. And I imagine that that's something a lot of parents, like you were saying, are dealing with even the, the screen time thing that she was bringing up, like how, much, you know, do you allow your kid to just like hang on to their I- iPad? Are they being raised by that more than they're being raised by you in the same way that like Gen X or like older millennials were raised by TV and video games? That's you know? the funny thing is like, yeah. I will, I'm, I really almost, I, I never hand my kid iPads, like, which I'm mm-hmm. not, some people do, that's fine. But like, 
But on the but on the flip side, I'll be like, I'll if they're sick or I mean, if they're sick, they can watch TV all day. Like, go yeah. sit in front of the TV for eight hours, like I did when I was a kid. But I'm not giving you this right. iPad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I draw this very arbitrary yeah, like, like line. Yeah, like where you draw the line, and yeah. I think especially in you know today when like. AI really is kind of taking over in so many areas where AI has gotten so advanced. It does make it like an extra level of creepy, even though we're not to the point where we're going to have a doll like Megan tomorrow. It's still like there's unnerving parts of AI that we deal with every day. And so <laughs> <laughs> it makes Megan all the creepier because it doesn't feel like it's that far away. It know? doesn't. It feels like yeah. it feels like, you know, 20 years ago, this would have felt like future, future, but now it really just feels like near future. It feels one of like, yeah, like exactly. five minutes yeah. in the future kind of movies. Or like yeah. Japan. I don't know. One thing like that did bother me was like, this is so, okay, this is dumb, but I, I just want to talk about it. So there's this other robot, Rex, right? Which is like an yeah. early thing in college that she designed. And it drove me nuts as a person who has tons of old electronics sitting around. And like some of them in this similar way, like it almost becomes a decoration. Right. Like that thing was not just charged and ready to go when it's when she did it in college. You know what I mean? Like, but no, right. he's just dope. You do the thing and he's like, ah, he's like a giant monkey robot. Um, but but he is a good example of um this movie is just it's a tight economical script. Like, yeah, it has lots of threads that it lays down, and pretty much all of them come back around, except for one, really. I feel like the subplot about the guy stealing the plans for Megan goes absolutely yeah. nowhere. Oh, like, yeah. Literally, that was totally extraneous. All it really does is like they they kind of mention it when he dies, like when all that comes is coming to a head at the headquarters at the end. Like it's a way of Megan to sort of set him up. But that doesn't really right. matter. That's anyway, the only man. reason that it comes yeah. right. Like, yeah, you think that, that, she that feels like alibi, that, you know, when it happens, that feels like part of a much bigger subplot. That yeah. really has nothing yeah. to do with the movie whatsoever. You're right, mm -hmm. though, because we see him stealing files and then they make a point to mention <laughs> a couple times about we need to rush this to market so nobody right. steals it from us first. And they bring it up two or three times, but they never do anything with it. At the same time, we've already heard that after its opening weekend, they're already official on the second movie. I can see that being a setup for something there. Too. Now, it makes me wonder, though, if. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But it also makes me wonder if. That was a larger subplot that they decided to cut from the movie for time. But because she talks like is speaking about it when they die, that maybe then they at least had to keep that earlier scene in. Yeah, for that, that scene, for that Possible. to make sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the director said there's definitely a, like an unrated cut. That I'm exists. excited about that. Yeah, because it's about whether or not it's coming out, but it exists. It's like an so hour. That's definitely possible. Hour forty-eight or something, which is like yeah, pushing it. Because I will. My other thing <laughs> is like, and this is just I'm impatient. I not felt Eric approved. I felt like time to Megan was a little long for me, and by that I mean it really picks mm -hmm. up in that that daycare scene, which is I, that whole yeah. scene is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's when we see her really fuck shit up for the first time. I could have gotten to that like a little faster because it's like, man, because in the beginning, she doesn't even exist. Like we got to go through this whole, you know, yeah. invention process mm -hmm. or whatever. But what I did, that scene has a really amazing, one of my favorite recurring things in this movie. And it's like a comedy thing is people like walking into frame. And then seeing Megan and reacting to her. And I think it's, it's yeah, the teacher was like, holy shit. Guy. Like she, like they, <laughs> yeah. cause they either think it's a kid or they think it's a doll. Yeah. And then when they really yeah. zoom out, they're like, ah, like, 
And it the has to casual with that too. Like I'm like, <laughs> yeah. isn't this like shouldn't you be kind of on lockdown with us? Again, like, I know, that's like that is where game. right. And she's like, fine, like you can sit on the toy table. Yeah, like yeah, that's, you could take her. <laughs> that those are moments in the script where I feel like it just has to make her loosey goosey with that stuff for the purpose yeah. of it's a movie. Of course, I mean, and she's yeah. got to get out yeah. for shenanigans. But definitely while you're watching her, I'm like, oh, like really? Why would you do that? Whatever. Sure. And she's like, okay, but just don't tell anybody. You know, it's I funny. did appreciate that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was I was going to say what you're talking about earlier. There, area with the with the kind of the way the dem- dynamic they showed us between Gemma and Katie at the beginning, and it was awkward. And you know, Gemma's obviously being forced into the situation to have to take this kid in and raise it, stuff like that. And they play, and they did show that very well. But there was something else there too. I don't know if it was credit to Allison Williams or not, but like when that therapist first showed up the first time and throughout the rest of the movie, she came across super antagonistic to me. Like, yeah. God, like, I don't trust you. I don't like you because of the way she was going after Gibbet, because it's like she's trying at least, right? <laughs> right. There did seem to be this sort of looming threat that Katie could be taken away from her and given to the yeah. parents-in-law, you know? Yeah. And the therapist walked in right away with nothing but distrust, pretty much. It's what it right. felt Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because Fun I know fact, she wasn't Casey. doing like a great job as a parent, but she also wasn't like abusive or anything. Right. Right. Is there really any like, reason? That that, yeah. A thing yeah. I've learned, Casey, some therapists are very bad. That, yeah. that is true. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair the too. movie isn't necessarily telling us that, but it does happen. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I also like that even though this is a PG 13 horror movie, they have like no qualms about just murdering a kid. Yeah. Which sure. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I'm fine with a PG-13. Yeah, me too. I know a lot of people on Twitter were saying like, "Release the gore cut. We want that." And I can understand why you'd want it more gory, but I also think there's a place for PG-13. Totally fine. And they probably will. You know, but I think this is. I want to see that. I want to see that rated R cut just as much as everybody. But I was perfectly happy and entertained by the PG-13. I think this is exactly the kind of movie where it makes sense because really the gore is not integral to what's fun about it uh, and also yeah. like and it makes sense that this is the kind of movie that could draw in a teenage audience i mean they, they did it right because it, i mean it made 30 million you know it didn't keep people away. yeah they gave us some good uh hints at gore though too my favorite one of my favorite scenes throughout all of this is that bully kid at the picnic and watching how far she stretched his ear dude it's so weird like there's just the megan doll's like physicality like when the dog pulls her through the hole and she's just like squirming in the hole it's so uncomfortable it's so strange yeah it is yeah so are her facial expressions just the sort of slight delay to them Mm -hmm, and the the mm -hmm. way that they look is just like a little bit off and so it makes you (coughs) uncomfortable and the fact too that she has this sort of terminator or predator style like computer thing that comes up you know when she's looking at people and she can (laughs) tell the percentages of like what you're feeling based on the uh, you know what emotion you're feeling based on your facial expressions i found that kind of unnerving too um do we so do we think that the glowing chair thing in the bedroom was like the charging station yeah her charging base because i kept being like what if you unplug the charging base like she'll run out of juice eventually i think oh is it maybe like hardwired and t- i don't know no, yeah also she was like talking about seemed to be like controlling all of the electricity in the house too that's I don't true know, probably everything was you know wi-fi i did love the stuff. idea of her like co-opting the like alexa like assistant mm-hmm. like, yeah that was pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty sweet 
like you know, when the, funny, the Alexa or the I don't remember what they call it. It has a name in the movie, but it's like, how are you? Are you okay? And she's like, wait, I didn't program you to say that. That's like a nice creepy yeah. little <laughs> moment. <laughs> and the and the spirit of picking this thing apart or nitpicking at this thing like you were talking about earlier elizabeth with the when she let decided to let this top secret ai android go to the picnic with her, her niece you know to hang out at the yeah. toy table mm-hmm. which is not something somebody with any you know who's responsible for that type of thing would do there was also once the cops started sniffing around about the kid that got killed at the picnic and she started to think oh and then we see her go to a laptop and pull up uh video images of everything that uh megan had been doing why wasn't she doing that from the beginning why (laughs) right because she had already been deeply like suspicious of what Megan had been doing. So why is that the first time right. she goes to pull that? <laughs> yeah, or, or just in collecting data because this is the prototype of like um very important. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, she kept okay, saying I mean, that she kept saying that they got to spend time together to grow you. So you'd think she'd be like watching it to make sure it's learning, right? right. <laughs> or even just right. checking in on what she's saying to the girl when she's not around. Like right. simple stuff. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I did think that actually when in that moment when she was accessing that stuff. Yeah, but again, that's nitpicking because right. I mean, there's so this movie is good enough that you have to find s- silly stuff like that to complain. It really about, does. Right? I mean, it really does work well as just kind of like a ride. Like it holds together yeah. really well while you're on it. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like the plot holes that are there are small enough that you can totally ignore them because it's just such a silly, fun movie. You're just yeah. having a good time while you're watching it, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. And there's all this, you know, kind of joyful pg-13 level violence and campiness that's really fun and send up of like the tech world and you know capitalism that's also really enjoyable i don't know i just think it's not perfect but i didn't really care and i enjoyed the the end beats where she basically becomes like i don't know ben franklin terminator when her hair gets ripped (laughs) off (laughs) yeah no. <laughs> yeah and just very using that older checky. robot too was very entertaining <laughs> and again like that's a really good um callback like when they yeah, set that up in the sure. beginning like there's a bunch of things like that there's a name for that kind of screenwriting but i forget um that, that final fight with the with the, uh, the good robot versus megan i can't remember the other uh, robot's name now uh that was a great ending and i getting close to the end and i really loved that part of it and it was fun there was parts of that watching those two robots fight as literally on the edge of my seat like oh well, like when he split her in half and yeah cross through and yeah like, oh, that was so great <laughs> that action was really good i agree yeah and then she just keeps coming it's so much yeah. fun <laughs> i think a sequel could be uh pretty good yeah think- i'd watch it i'll watch it I think nice you're he's there at the end too with the Alexis thing, whatever mm-hmm. they called it in this mm-hmm. one. I think you're yeah. probably right, Casey, that a sequel might involve the plans having been because yeah. maybe there's a cover up of what happened here and like and then some other company mm-hmm. brings it up. Some other corporation yeah. tries to make yeah. their own. Yeah. Showing up at other places. What yeah. I need is like a Chucky two style opening montage where we see the doll like constructed on a conveyor belt and there's just like a million of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be cool. That would be yeah. Good. Or the leak plans get out and Arrival makes their own Android 
and it starts coming out, and then Allison Williams has to reprogram Megan to take out the opponents. Like Terminator. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, Megan. Okay. Terminator 2. I'm, I'm in for that. Just don't hire <laughs> David Gordon Green to make two in a row, please. <laughs> the fact that he's making the Exorcist movie is making me that very is, sad. That yeah. is concerning. In the third movie, Megan teams up with a little girl, and the little girl becomes the killer. <laughs> Ooh! Why aren't you guys working for Blum? Right? <laughs> I mean, no, just ideas on please don't, here. please don't do that, Bloom. If you're listening, um, Blum. Yeah, it was interesting. I was just reading actually an article about Chat, chat GPT. Is that what it's called? And this oh, guy, uh-huh. this guy is like an academic who focuses on like AI research, and he he's been like sort of a he's raised red red flags about Chat GPT in particular, and his argument what is, is that. that? So it's um it's an AI framework that can have sometimes depending on the right input can have like very convincing conversations with people and it's mm-hmm. like it's learned on this like massive data set basically of input of writing and you can like you can input writing samples and then be like write me a New York Times article and it will like pretty much do it um, like yeah, they're saying of, you could use it to, to write like different levels of papers too for school. Like you right. could tell it to write at a seventh grade level or a college exactly. level or whatever. Yeah. So his, yeah. you know, and you can have like a, sort of emergent conversations with it and stuff. And his point was that like he he was basically was saying, I'm going to totally butcher this, by the way. There's smart people out here listening. We're going to be like, Eric, shut up. But um, <laughs> essentially he's like, what a child is, is like a, a fairly blank slate that you then give a lot of input to, and it slowly starts to learn how to for be human based on that input. And he's like, that's essentially what they've programmed chat GPT to do, which is they're dumping all this endless amounts of input into it and asking it to basically learn and grow from. And he's like, so even though we don't think right, you know, right now it's like true AI, like haven't we created the conditions for that to potentially spontaneously happen? Like, ah. couldn't it reach a tipping point where it could actually do it to itself if it mm-hmm. learns enough? I hate that well, so much. There's no upper limit to its learning like there would be for a human right. either. So it could potentially surpass everybody fairly easily. Because we typically think of oh AI as a thing so, where like so. a switch we could just not hit. Right. But like, what if we yeah. actually created something to learn and then learns too much. And, then and it does it himself. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh, that's God, so creepy so and upsetting. <laughs> but it is funny, though, and being working in the tech sector, AI has become a pretty cheesy buzzword as far as uh, vendors and stuff go, too. They built in AI features into their software where it's not doing anything but helping you, like, sort data to that yeah, point Yeah, so. they also, he was saying that um, coders now are using it to help solve coding problems. So you can just give it a coding problem and it will write you the code to fix the thing you're working on. What? Yeah. That's nuts. Sounds like a good time to become a coder. Yeah, Robots really. Are going to be president. <laughs> also as a do any of that. Here first. as a hobbyist musician, musicians are now having the same freak out that like artists have been having about um AI like basically right. just being able to create music. Like be, being for you to be able to go to AI and be like uh create a song in the style of Drake um on this subject blah 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 and then it could we're not too far off from it just being able to create music basically that's Um, probably happening in a lab somewhere yeah it's interesting jeez megan (laughs) (laughs) now i'm gonna be depressed for the rest of the day i know right 
But at least their AIs just look like your desktop and not like Megan. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is a silver lining. I even think those like robots they made that kind of look like dogs. Do you I know what I'm talking about? They had to like do a dance for YouTube. I thought that was I was literally just about me. to say that I've always wanted a robot dog. <laughs> there were these um you have said that before. There were these robot <laughs> that's true. I'm not lying. There are these robot dogs. I think they're called Ibo or something. So yeah. Sony made that these. The that was the first ones, yeah. Sony made these things like 15 years ago or maybe a little longer than that. And they were like really popular in Japan. Like, but then they they discontinued it eventually. But the people who have these things are like so in love with them that they can't let go of them. And so there's like a basically an underground market for like spare parts because these people are have learned to repair them themselves to like keep them running basically because there's no official place you can have them repaired or and you can't buy a new one so there's because like they a, became emotionally attached exactly to the robot right dog. so they've been yeah. it is like megan so they've been <laughs> keeping they've been keeping them alive long after like any kind of official oh like, wow so what's gonna happen when like it's something that they can't fix that breaks i don't know it's not good y'all it's not good gonna have to say goodbye but they just see the CES just happened and they they were some company had a, a line of robotic dogs that like each one has its own personality that then like develops after you've after you have it. Wild. You know, I'll tell you what you never have to do to a robot dog, pull stuck poop out of its butt, which is a plus for me. So <laughs> never have to clean up vomit. That's true, but I love my dog. <laughs> I haven't had that pleasure yet, thankfully. It's a, no, maybe it's a small lucky. dog thing. Could be. Small dogs in the poop. I mean, I've had to pull like fabric too out Ooh. when they've like eaten something they shouldn't. Yeah, large my, dogs like to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's a large dog. Yeah, yeah. I had a cat when yeah. I was younger that ate pantyhose. That was mm -hmm. not fun. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Did I have to get surgery? Because sometimes I need to like get surgery for that stuff. Like, this one on didn't because it was like 1991 or something and people were just like, <laughs> we deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, we had a dog that accidentally got into chicken bones and I just heard yeah. it like screaming in the middle of the night as Aww. it was trying to poop oh. and it had to go to the vet and the vet had to like go in there and Ooh, pull all the bones, bones out. Yeah. Um so Megan, anything any other scenes from Me <laughs> any other scenes from Megan that Sorry. stuck out to anybody? We kind of covered a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did think there was a lot of comedy involved in the neighbor too. I mean, I'm never a fan yeah. of like killing oh. off the dog. Thankfully they did that off camera. So we didn't have to actually yeah. see that, but I did think that <laughs> that's really funny. Cause I was amazing. like, I saw that scene. And I was like, Oh, the people on Twitter who can't watch dogs get murdered in movies are going to be real upset. And then I was wondering, like, just as a joke, I wanted to tweet, like they know that dogs aren't really getting murdered. Right. Like in real life. <laughs> It feels more <laughs> sad though. Like, did you see the movie yeah. Becky? Yeah, yes, all did it. For yeah, the show. yeah, but I don't so remember anything that, about a dog. In that movie, we get to see a lot of people injured and killed, right? And I didn't find any of that upsetting. But when the bad guy like punches the dog in the head over and over again, mm. that like oh, hurt my soul. That. I can't watch that. <laughs> I don't know what the difference is, but hmm. there's a new documentary on Shutter about found footage in which mm -hmm. they show scenes from Cannibal holocaust and oh uh-huh with no warning i love you shutter but like it was like of the animal violence and mm -hmm. i'm just like it's like 11 o'clock on a weeknight and i'm Aww. like what is happening i don't i've chosen to not see this 
right. on purpose. I'll be honest, I'm pretty desensitized to it. Oh, no. <laughs> Some people are not. I do like that movie. people have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say? Um, okay. I was going to say something else. I forgot about Megan. Oh, I thought that the CEO's acting was really, really bad. And like. Okay, I agree. Hardcore. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, think I mean, good. he wasn't great. I think he was kind of leaning maybe too far into the comedy part of it, and it didn't yeah. always like to land totally. I, I was trying to figure out if I know that guy from somewhere. He did look really familiar. Yeah, but I I did like the part where is it him and then his assistant who both get killed with the paper cutter mm-hmm. thing that yeah. she's like yeah, using that was as a machete. That was a sweet weapon, and that is the dance scene for no reason uh, yes, whatsoever. I love that. Because I remember in the trailer. It's in, like, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, Eric. That's okay. where we recognize him from. But you know, it's like when you see that dancing in the trailer, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see what precipitates that. What spoiler alert? Is that? It's nothing. It just happens. It's nothing. She just does it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird. Apparently, yeah. the person who was playing her like choreographed that dance because yeah Casey was, was it Casey yeah was she's a dancer, dancer. Yeah. yeah that makes sense just <laughs> good there was just something weird about the movements of it I think that's that why it so works so well yeah, yeah just, exactly ugh. it really plays into that <laughs> pretty brilliant well, it's, it's that creepy scene. thing too of like young girls dancing like in a mature dancing. suggestive yeah. fashion like it's sure. just it pings so many things that it's mm-hmm. like yeah. your brain immediately is just like bad wrong no (laughs) No. (laughs) yeah yeah uh would you recommend mathrigan ariel yes casey absolutely elizabeth um yes definitely i'm excited for mathorgan i would also say yes and yeah someone on twitter brought up like someone's gonna be someone in marketing is gonna be super pissed when they have to figure out what to name Megan three. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Point. It's so stupid. Why put the number in there? It's so dumb. Like put- that's like, is that, that's a new trend, isn't it? I see, you see this now. Do oh the, no, that's been around since like the scream. Do the stuff. number in the movie for the Marvel, but yeah. don't do it for the actual title. Like it just is stupid. Yeah. Right. But for yeah. scream, there's a reason it's the third, whatever. Right. It's the scream five M or whatever. Well, what was, did I don't remember off the top of my head. They did tell us what Megan stood for. Something she to do with that. Uh, yeah, it's generate. like third generation Android. Yeah. That's where the three's from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, all right. Four thumbs up for Megan. Let's uh, take a break and do some famo. Something's bugging Dr. Jenny. It's time to work through this fear of spiders. And he's trying to overcome it. Ah! He lost control of all of his bodily functions. Now, with the help of his friends. This is way out of my league. The support of his family. Yeah, chill out. And the advice from an expert. No room for amateurs in this game. He'll conquer his fear of spiders. Where are you? Probably still in a bar on my shoe. Hollywood Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present Jeff Daniels, John Goodman, Arachnophobia, a thrillomedy rated PG-13. National Sneak Preview this Saturday night. Hi, this is Doc Bradley Pinhead from the Hellraiser Movies, welcoming you to Bloody Good Horror. Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. 
join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. And we're back. Fan mail. But before we do that, um, who wants to hear me talk about Jason Lives? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I want to listen. I need to. If you are a BGH patron, and you should be, patreon.com slash bloody good horror, this week on our Patreon feed, a uh, new episode of How Do You Horror. Um, this is a Patreon exclusive show that um, contributor Whitney is putting together. Uh, and she's going through the BGH crew and friends, and she's gonna be, she's interviewing people about their favorite movie. Basically, it's like a little, little mini review of your favorite movie, and then she gives a big quiz. Um, Casey, I think you're up next, is that right? Ooh, fine. I am coming up soon. Yeah, so we, we sat and talked for a while about my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, Jason Lives. As she, absolutely stumped me in the quiz and i'm still pretty bitter about it so if you want to they were like they were like some deep quest like i think that she i mean i've seen the movie a hundred times easily and i think she was like took that as a challenge and then went way too hard and i was like oh i have no idea like i don't know (laughs) but they were good I picked a weird one for her that I knew she hadn't had seen, and so I'll be excited to see what she makes of it. For sure, oh, interesting. And I think we have we're trying to pinch Nars down to be on there too. So, yep. Um, yeah, it was a good time. So to get that, you can become a Patreon at uh, patron at any level, and then there's an audio feed in there that you can just stick into your any um, um, pod catcher. Do they still use that term? Podcasting app you can use. Um, and get that content. So you get this show, you'll get early access to bloody good horror, um, each week when it comes out and you also get, so, um, at any level of BGH, you'll get a weekly classic in this feed. Um, let's see this past week. It is the mummy. That's episode 456, which originally aired on January 12th, 2018 in the before time as I like to call it. Uh, and I think the mummy, I think that's a Tom Cruise thing. So if I recall, that was a really fun show making fun of the mummy has a really amazing line where Russell Crowe, who's like, he's either younger than Tom Cruise mm-hmm. or like a couple of years older refers to him as a young man. And mm-hmm. it's very funny. Um, so check that out. I saw that movie in the drive in. It was terrible. Oh yeah. Check that yeah, out on great. the BGH <laughs> Patreon feed. Speaking of hearing us uh, wax on poetic about other uh, favorite subjects, you can catch me here in the near future with the Dads of the Crypt talking about uh, H.P. Lovecraft as we reviewed uh, the episode Pickman's Model from Guillermo del Toro's uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. We had a good time uh, geeking out on some Lovecraft mythos, so that should be out shortly after you hear this. Nice. Are there elder gods? Yes. You know, I, I recently I watched um, ne- from Beyond, right, with Barbara yeah. Crampton and uh, uh, what's his face? It's Ken Faree and Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, Stuart Gordon joint. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
Yep, um, good stuff. All right. I guess as long as we're doing some plugs here, where uh, Ariel, what's going on at Zombie Girls? Yeah, so I guess Friday, the same day you guys will release this episode, we're releasing our top 10 of 2022 episode for the Zombie Girls. And then the following week, Rachel and I for More Deadly are doing an episode just on our favorite women-directed horror movies of 2022. And we've got some interviews coming out and some other cool stuff. So definitely check out our Instagram and Twitter. We're at ZG Podcasts, so you can keep track of everything we're doing. Very nice. Now... Did you guys are is your year end episode coming out now because you actually wanted to get all the movies in? Because that sounds like something you guys would yes. be really responsible about. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple right at the end that we yeah, still needed to I see, felt, like the menu, for instance. Right. I felt weird voting on almost. I mean, I was like, whatever. That's what. But like, that, I hadn't seen some real huge like. That's what the ones B- I know I'm going to. That's what the BGH year ender is all about, though. Just drawing an yeah. arbitrary line in the sand and the year I is know. over. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got it after 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to you guys' uh, year-end episode. It was really good, and I did appreciate oh, that you. Hellbender and Watcher made it on your list because yeah, of us. Hellbender <laughs> in part because of myself. And <laughs> yes. what, did, uh, what did John call that? The, the zombie girls flex? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last year, we got Violation on there, so I feel like you should be happier this year. <laughs> <laughs> Hellbender um, did spend some time on my top 10 aerial. Oh, so. good. Yeah, I love that. No, that I mean, it wasn't my thing, but that I saw so many people love that movie. It, it makes a lot of sense to have that on the top 10, I think. So that was good. Um, let's see. We got a couple of emails. Caitlin and Kissimmee. This is about Renfield. Red Ooh, alert. Yes. Have you seen the trailer for Renfield? Dracula may get done right for once by capable, fun people. Um, yeah, it looks really fun. I'm excited. Why it looks wild. And for to be coming out in theaters, <laughs> I think more shocking than anything. I just love been, seeing Nick Cage do his thing. Yeah. Too, yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't well, know. It this... obviously had my attention since they mentioned Nick Cage as Dracula. I didn't really fully pick up until the trailer that it was going to be a comedy. So after going through that trailer, I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know um, this guy who actually plays Renfield, this actor, I didn't know his name, but I feel like it should be illegal for him to look that much like a young James Marsden. Like if I was James Marsden, I feel like I would sue him oh. and be like, you can't be an actor. You're just like a young version <laughs> of me. Well, you're fine with him in the, the menu. No, I always look at that guy and I'm like, this isn't right. Like this is <laughs> not okay. Like imagine you're an actor and you're trying to like age gracefully into like dad roles. And then here comes this young svelte, like good looking version of you. And you're just like, what the fuck? What? Hey, that's they mean. don't look that much alike. <laughs> Google it. They are the same person. It's insane. <laughs> um. So yeah, we're all, I think we're all pretty excited for Renfield. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm more surprised Eric didn't say you look like Schnars. No, it does not look like Schnars. Got an email. <laughs> <coughs> sorry, from Whitney. Uh, BGH Book Club pick for January 2023 is Devolution by Max Brooks. Um, join us for this part survival narrative, part bloody horror tale, part scientific journey into the boundaries between truth, truth and fiction. Also, it's about Bigfoot. Um, yes. As a reminder, you can discuss the book club pick on Reddit. There's a um, BGH Book Club Reddit. Is it BGH Book Club with Casey or is it Bloody Good Horror? I honestly don't know. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> or there also, if you're on Slack, there's a BGH Book Club channel. Um, also on Slack right now, there's, I think, multiple like movie a day challenges going on. So if you're a person that likes to sort of 
have your picks curated for you and likes to see new things. That's that's a really good. Yeah, thing. I think we named There's the channel. I think it's called Movie a Day Challenges now, so you can just go in there and follow along. Yeah, we have the Movie a Day channel, and there's also the Cult Movie Challenge, which was an old one from Shelton that we kind of reproduce, repurposed for one of these uh, challenges. But like right now is going on. I'm not taking part in this one. It's January Giallo, so Joe Ferry oh, nice. and Jody and them are watching a lot of Giallo fi- uh, flicks and discussing those. And then Whitney, who uh, just wrote in about the book club, started a new website called Oh My Horror and it is a 52 week list of prompts broken down by week for and it you don't have to get super granular you don't have to do a lot after you watch the movie unless you want to but it gives you themes on what to uh, watch so our first week was body horror which i ended up watching uh, the Saska sisters uh, rabid remake oh, from nice. uh, good one. yeah i like that one a lot so mm-hmm. that, that was kind of fun and then uh, right now we're in the 80s week so um, you know what Elizabeth and I just watched is that movie Possession that they just put out. Yes. Oh, I need yeah. to see that. Was it good? It, it was nutty. It is wild. Wild. Dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's what I've heard. I sort of have, I have a rule now, like since um, the devils came out in 2021 or maybe it was 20, no, it's 2021 since the devils came out and it was like, it sort of dropped in this similar fashion where it showed up on shutter and everybody on Twitter was like, Oh my God, this like cult thing that like, it was really hard to see is here now. The devils was so amazing that my new rules, like anytime I see that narrative forming, I'm like, I gotta watch this movie. So I, I jumped on that pretty quick and people were buzzing about it. I would say it's not as good as the devils, but it is extremely unique. Like it's one of the weirdest, intensely weirdest things I've ever seen. I think. Yeah. My philosophy is about the same as yours, Eric, but I go a little more granular. So if it's an old movie and Joe Ferry gets excited, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> well, I, yeah. That's a good, um, good rule. That's always a wise choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then I also watched, I was like flipping on HBO. This is so weird. I was flipping on HBO and I'm like, there's a movie called The Longest Shave on there that's like a five minute short. And I was just like, what the fuck is it? So I, from 1963 or something. So I watch it. It's a short movie about a guy shaving his face. And then he starts bleeding and it's just, he's bleeding and there's lots of blood and he's like enjoying it. And then it's over. You reminded me, Casey, cause you were talking about Joe Ferry. So I got on Slack and I'm like, Joe, I feel like you will know like what this is. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, but Jody actually jumped in and was like, oh, this is Martin Scorsese's like first movie. Oh shit. Really? So they apparently threw up like a whole Scorsese collection and included this as like a bonus. Oh, in it, so. interesting. I don't know why you'd watch it unless you just really want to see everything he's ever done, but. Yeah, Joe and uh, Jody are like obscure movie tag team. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, nothing on Twitter, right, Casey? Correct. All right. Actually, we got a bunch of stuff from our slackers, and we got some Instagram. So let's see what we got here. Um, First up, Andy, Aussie Andy. Megan versus Small Wonder. Who wins in an all-out cage match? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember how I thought about that show. You remember Small Wonder, Elizabeth? You yeah. look puzzled. No, by that. I don't feel like this I do. was a, a nineteen early nineteen eighty sitcom in which a family. I don't remember where it came from, but they have an android little girl as a part of their family. Yeah. Or what? Yeah. It's yep. wild. Where do I wa- where do I watch this? Uh, it's not. It's, I think it's probably BTV, Hulu, or yeah, somewhere. It's called okay, Small okay. Wonder. I don't remember I'm if down. she's like impervious to like injury i don't remember if that was part of the story nah. of like it was like the alf era similar vibes. i feel like oh, I love alf too like wholesome and naive i think megan would win yeah you know 
Um, who would win in a fight? Uh, this is from Webby. Uh, Megan or the original model T-800 from Terminator? <laughs> I mean, Terminator, you know. Terminator. Pretty tough. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, she didn't do too good against that. She's pretty uh, little. Love robot. Yeah, she's pretty slight. Would those of yeah. you with children take your chances and buy a Megan just to get some free time? Keep Fuck in, no. Keep in mind, this, this part sort of swayed me, though. Megan could take care of you in your old age and prevent your actual children from dumping you in a home or abandoning you in a forest. <laughs> yeah, I'll get one for palliative care. Like palliative care. Yeah, I was going to say. But no, I got my child, for some reason, a three-foot-tall Moana doll for Christmas. And every time I turn to go into my own kitchen and this oh, doll is scary. sitting on the bean bag, I'm like, girl, you got to go in a closet. <laughs> you got to. Um, dance off Megan versus Bad Ava enough. from Ex Machina. Who got served? Oh, right. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so I kept getting vibes of Ex Machina watching oh, this, like, which is yeah, one of my favorites. That. Ava mm-hmm. wins that, but for different reasons. Yeah. yeah I mean, she's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she pretty. Uh, alternate question. Akila Cooper is following up writing Malignant and Megan with a Nun sequel later this year. Is it possible the Nun 2 will be good? I mean, I sure hope so. The first Nun was such absolute trash. But the fact that she's involved in the script makes me think it, maybe she'll turn it into something fun. I've learned yeah. too to like separate each entity when done by different creators um, yeah. in a franchise because like you just don't know what you're going to get. When it's a franchise, it. I feel like when it's a franchise, so much of the writer's personality can and eventually does get sucked out of it before it like gets made, right? Because you're you're sort of being plugged yeah. into an assembly line at some point in a situation yeah. like that, I feel like. You got to have strong outlines. Maybe that's just right? my, maybe that's me being cynical. But um, Next up, I don't have Instagram, so I will ask here, this is on Slack. What's every, this is Mark says, what's everyone's hype level for Skinamarink? I don't know. Is that the Winnie the Pooh thing? No. No, that's Blood kids. and Honey. So yeah, Skinamarink is, is that it? one that was going all around like TikTok and stuff where people got illegal copies of it early on and supposedly terrifying and really strange. And now it's finally coming out on Shudder, I believe, really soon. I mean, yeah. it's worked whatever is real or not about that campaign i am interested because of honestly like the, the, yeah. the best case scenario for me is the typical scenario which is that i know nothing about it so that's like the best case for this movie because they'll yes. just be open to it is there like a horror movie tiktok because i don't use it anymore but it always blew my mind that i wasn't on it like it was never serving me that is horror, horror movie yeah. content ever a lot of podcasters now have tiktoks to a lot of horror podcasters and they post stuff there wild <laughs> I guess we're the old hits now Eric. I mean I, that was not in question <clears throat> um, alright to Instagram do, 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 stand by alright Brian says not sure if Megan lands in the Wannaverse but what's your best and worst Wannaverse movie oof I guess does it hmm. being from the writer of *Malignant* tangentially tie Megan into the Wanderverse? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Plus, he produced, so like he's I'll tell you what, one of man, the when, when people say like name your Wanderverse movie, all I see in my head is like an amorphous blob of jump scares. I was like, literally yeah. just thinking the same thing. Like it's like you all the movie posters melded together. You like, can't pick out a poster or a title or a plot. Like I do yeah. know at least one of them starts with a kid's parents dying. Um, <laughs> Insidious was James Wan, right? 
Yeah, I've rewatched Insidious yeah. recently, and that it's still really good. Yeah, yeah I would say that's probably one. my that's favorite probably. one. I really like that. And the worst for me was definitely the nun. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. Yeah, it was not good. Okay. I was going to say it's even more like an amorphous blob when you think of the Wanderers. There's multiple uh, Formigas now. It's mm-hmm. true. It's true. It's a good reminder out there, folks. Bloody good horror invented the term Wanderers. So I just want to. TM on that. One of my more inspired moments. Thank you. Uh, What would you do with a robotic best friend? I would love a robotic best friend, to be honest with you. Like, I I would love to be able to. Okay. I'm going to put my phone down. Here's the appeal of a robot best friend. You get what you need all the time and never have to consider someone else's needs. I am a lucky, lucky lady. And so like, and so like, if what you wanted is to talk about anything, they're going to do it. If what you want is silence, they're going to do that too, right? Like, and maybe that gets boring because I mean, there's no friction there, right? But sometimes it's, you know. Literally I mean, or figured. That's <laughs> true. I'd say so. I'd say something like you know, feel good or you know, save the world or something like that. But let's be real. I'm going to use my robot best friend to get through the hard part of video games. I get frustrated with. It's funny you say <laughs> that because like it's I'm playing uh, Fallout Four again right now, where you can get like companions, <laughs> and I'm like I could dig I dig that idea of just having like a, a familiar just following you around everywhere. Like you're yeah. just going to work. And it's like hey, this is my. He just tags along in case I need something. Hey, yeah. familiar, can you grab me a beer, please? He carries my bag for me. I don't know. I won't even have like an Alexa or Echo or whatever in my. Oh, I won't either so. because I don't think here's so there is a to me, there's like a graph of like, OK, how invasive is this thing versus how fucking cool is it? Right. And my beef yeah, is like Alexas sure. are not cool. I can do anything an Alexa <laughs> can do in five seconds on my phone. And so. Right. But you give me a robot that like looks cool and walks around and talks like then I'm like, I might be willing to just let you have a spy in my house if I could do that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, honestly, more than a best friend, if I could have like a robot butler, like somebody to cook for me and do the dishes and like oh, clean the bathroom, that. I might be tempted. I'm also like I'm I'm not even jokingly very interested in. Like AI that you could talk to and have a real conversation with, like, what would that be mm-hmm. like? And like, like I remember being very intrigued by the movie Her, because that's like a lot of what that movie oh, yeah. is about is the, the him just having conversations with this like AI that's in his ear all the time. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm pretty interested in that also. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'd always be worried about a Skynet kind of robot revolution or something <laughs> too. Yeah, now that I think about it. I could use it for work. Oh, I mean, I always say this, this is some real ancient alien shit, but like, how do we know that creating AI isn't the logical path of sentience anywhere it's in the universe? Like, how do we know that the anywhere where there's sentient life, that the path that it always ends up at is creating AI that then replaces the creators? That's interesting. Because if you look at every other human advancement, right? Like if you look at fire, yeah. fire, the wheel, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Um, 
computers. We didn't invent those things so much as like discover their existence, right? That's always the way I look at it. Like if we can build hmm. a computer, then anyone can. There's nothing, I don't think there would be, I don't think there'd be anything unique to like humans when it comes. Right, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like to me, to me, discovering computing is like discovering an element. Like it's just a thing the universe can do that we figured out. Huh. You got me thinking. What are you, a philosophy <laughs> teacher? <laughs> <laughs> I like open-ended questions that sound smart and can't be answered. It's kind of my thing. No accountability. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I watch a lot of Star Trek, so it's just going to eventually turn out evil. That's all I can say. That's, right. That's this the is true of life. Yes. Um. TikTok, here we go, t related. TikTok viral hit Skinamarink is in theaters on 112 and The Outwaters on 29. Plans to cover them? I wasn't aware it was in theaters. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll check out both. We'll have to just, we'll have to see theater availability and stuff. Also, I might be sick, so I might not be making it out to a theater on the 12th. That's tomorrow. That can't be right. Oh, geez. The month is going by too fast. I know. Yeah. It really is. Um... We covered this. Is Mithrigan in the Waterverse? I think I could see that argument. Do we think we'll see a lot of people as Megan this Halloween dancing and singing yes. Titanium? We didn't mention that. That's one of the funniest moments oh in the movie when she sings Titanium. <laughs> that led me yeah. then to then listening to that song and adding it to my gym playlist. <laughs> I <love> it. <laughs> I'm sure you are not alone. It's a good track. But... I yeah, think I think it's going to be like how everybody correct. dressed up like Pearl this year. I think Megan maybe next year's big thing. I'm definitely going to be doing that myself. Um, you got to. Next up, yeah. who in the you, Pearl would be a good one. Who in the BGH cast has the best dance moves? <laughs> That's a great question. We have not actually all <laughs> seen each other dance. I yeah. cannot dance. I'm terrible at it. No, Eric, there's one horror hound weekend that you and I went to a dance party at the yeah. hotel. We Casey had a good time. Casey seen oh. me dance. Yeah, it was really good. It was fun. I don't, we don't remember enough that we had good moves or not, but we no. had fun. <laughs> I, contrary to what people might think, I am capable of uh, getting there. I'm capable of letting go and dancing. And, so, and I've done it sober too. Like I don't necessarily have to be drunk, although that obviously that helps. Yeah. Well, you know, so you see me a lot when the theme music's playing and stuff. If you're watching the live feed and you see my little shuffle, that's pretty much me standing up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and when I'm alone by myself, there's dancing happening. Believe me. Yeah. How, how would you write your dancing, Elizabeth? I mean, I can, I can, I'm not a, I feel like you'd be good at dancing. Oh, I can dance, but I don't very often anymore. I did. I like took dance as a young girl and uh, then took some adult musical theater courses and uh, adult <laughs> tap, just like you do. Those are just and classes for grown-ups, right? They weren't like adult. Ballet. They weren't I adult, <laughs> like adult chicken from Idiocracy now. I have um, done the stage dancing in high school, you know, the step, step, step ball change, yeah. step ball change. Oh, yeah. Jazz I square, took, jazz yeah. As a kid, I took jazz and tap when I was like, oh, wow. That's so cool. It was not. I was against <laughs> no. my will. It was like when I was too young to say no, I was probably like six or seven or something. But somewhere, <laughs> yeah. somewhere there's a, a rotted old VHS tape of my one recital that happened 
Oh my gosh, I wanna, Elizabeth, I you need to get a hold of that. <laughs> I very much want to. Yeah, I was yeah. I, I, when the when like swing dancing became really popular in the '90s, I tried to take swing dancing lessons, but the teacher just kept being like, "You're doing it wrong." <laughs> <laughs> like that's how bad I am. Man, swing—that was a whole thing. I went on like two dates with this swing dance instructor that like it took two dates, but then I was like, oh yeah, you're that guy. Like it doesn't matter where <laughs> where you are. If there's like it a literally the swing with a jingle in it, you're swing dancing. Dude, like, the swing dance people, it becomes their entire personality. It's insane. But if you're with them, level. it's like, come on, you do it too. Yeah. Even if you don't know, you can just go limp like a ragdoll cat. Like, <laughs> just like but I don't always around. want to cut a rug here just go limp that's hilarious oh, no. um that's so funny uh that's a good one thank you merle for that question last up industrial fallout says should i get a hereditary tattoo i have a oh, i have happy. a mid-summer sure. tattoo i think yes i think the answer it's is a great movie sense. go for it yeah go i mean it. absolutely are we talking like a headless corpse or, or a telephone I, pole? Just a telephone pole. I like once a week because I love his movie so much. Like once a week, I'm like, I should watch Hereditary again. That because I've only seen it the, in the theater, but that movie made really? me so uncomfortable. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only seen Midsummer and Hereditary one time each, wow. and I I absolutely love those movies. I think they're so fantastic. But yeah, it takes a lot out of you. I went into Midsummer totally blind, totally cool, cold. I had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. I went to see it in the afternoon at a theater by myself what and just like light. walked out at 3 p.m. Like, what did I just see? <laughs> see, with certain things, <laughs> if I <laughs> with certain things, if I get over that hump and I watch them a few more times, they yeah. will pretty quickly become comfort food to me, which mm -hmm. Midsummer is at this point. Like I my binging comfort food show is Breaking Bad. So like I'm capable of oh, taking interesting. kind of anything and like turning it into that. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's it. There's a new Ari Aster um, trailer that yeah. recently. I've not seen it. I did not watch it, but I heard it's Knock at the Cabin. I think. I, I think it's a horror comedy too this time. Oh really? Yeah. No, I thought he was that Bo was afraid. That's what it. Yeah, that's what I saw. Oh, yeah. you're right. I'm thinking of M Night Shyamalan. And not, yeah, the one that's he's doing. Knock at the Cabin. Trailer, yeah. Sorry. So tell yes, me what this right. is about because I heard it was more like comedy. Which one? The Ari Aster. I don't um, know. I, all I know is that there's a new trailer. It okay. just literally came out like Monday cool. or Tuesday. Awesome. A whole lot of watching <laughs> Yeah. Should be interesting. All right. Um, check out the zombie girls. Elizabeth, where can people find you? Um, I'm online sometimes. It's uh, at Final Girl Scout on all socials. Very nice. Sounds good. Um... Check me out, Eric BGH. I'll be having some new music coming out in the, let's call it, first quarter of 2023. Q1. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah, Q1. Q1 drop. That's what's going to happen. Um, love it. Bloodygoodhorror.com. Check out patreon.com slash bloodygoodhorror to get that new episode of How Do You Horror. And uh, that's it. We will be back next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.